0: Well, Easter Sunday is without question the best day of the year for followers of Jesus Christ. It's a day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Friday night was not such a night. We remembered the sacrifice and we entered into the sorrow of Jesus' death on the cross. He was paying for our sins and, and, and so we, we came face to face with our own sin and our own role in Jesus being on the cross, taking the wrath of a holy and a righteous God, dying for us, taking the punishment, it is rightly ours. You should have been here. We were all quite sorrowful. We were sorrowful. And it was an appropriate spirit for Friday night. But that was Friday. This is Sunday. He is risen. He is risen now we're not going to debate this morning whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. I, I, I want to say just a word about it. If I'm going to assume that the majority of you believe that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. But if you were skeptic, skeptical, I, may I simply just point to the disciples' behavior a few days after Jesus was crucified. I mean, they had been shocked that Jesus was dead. This one that they had staked everything. They had given up everything to follow. Not just their reputations, their livelihoods. Everything was on the line. And he was dead. Jesus had told them he was going to die, but they didn't believe him. And so they were stunned. Jesus also told them that he was going to rise from the dead, but they didn't believe that either. They weren't at the tomb Easter morning, you know, with party hats and streamers and a welcome back to life sign. They weren't, there was no banner flying that morning saying, All right, come on, we're ready. They were hiding under a table somewhere. They were holed up together, dreadful, fearful that the next knock on the door would spell their doom. Some have suggested that. The disciples were so psychologically... They'd worked themselves up into such a state psychologically. They were so desperate that they imagined that they saw Jesus all at the same time. No. No. They weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. But when they saw the resurrected Christ... (laughs) The, it impacted them so greatly that these 11 men changed the course of world history. Well, God changed it through these 11 men. And, and, and 11 more unlikely people you would be hard-pressed to find to be the ones that turned the world upside down. While there is quite a bit of evidence in, in, in my mind for the resurrection... Ultimately, you're going to have to choose whether you believe it's true or not. And when you do believe it, when you repent of your sin, and when you believe that Jesus died for you, Easter will mean as much to you as it does to everybody else who follows Jesus. This morning, we are going to think about the difference that Jesus' resurrections, and it's not long. I realize what time we're at. It's not going to be that long. But but we're going to think about the difference Jesus' resurrection makes in the lives of His followers. Jesus' resurrection, our resurrection, past, present, future. Our text is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. We will stand, as is our custom, for the reading of the Word. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's let's give thanks. Our Father, I I think all of us who were here Friday night were deeply moved by the sacrifice that Jesus made and by the silence of the heavens when He begged that the cup might pass from Him. Especially when we think about the silence in the heavens, When we so often, or at least occasionally, bring things to you with a deep heart and there is no response, which ultimately means no, this is not my will for you. And Lord, we think about. Your holy and righteous anger. It was all directed at Jesus that night. That day on the cross. And our hearts are heavy. When we think about the fact that you raised Him from the dead. And in so doing, accepted the payment that Jesus made on our behalf. Then we sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, may we understand a little bit better what it means to us that Jesus rose from the dead. Continually make us more like Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks and be seated. <clears throat> I recently read about a, a woman who brought her baby to church for the first time. And I, I, I thought, I, I wonder when we're going to have that happen here at Grace. I don't, I don't know, maybe next week. I don't. Seems like we have a lot of new babies at church for the first time. And, 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 and someone said, hey, this is little Aidan's first time here at church. And the mother said, where do you think he's been the last nine months? Good point. I, our relationship with Jesus is a bit like that. I mean, what happens to Him oftentimes happens to us. When we belong to Him, what's true for Jesus is often true for us. He died on the cross, we died with Him spiritually. In fact, we are to live in the shadow of the cross for the rest of our lives. We always live in the shadow of the cross. Verse 3 tells us that we died and our lives are hidden in Christ. And then verse 1 tells us, though, that Jesus rose from the dead. We were raised with him. Now, the implications of Jesus' resurrection go far beyond the, the fact that a Messiah was killed, crucified, put in the grave, and then raised bodily. But everything begins at that point. It's the basis for everything That follows. Jesus' resurrection dramatically impacts our past, present, and future. First, let's think about our past. Have you noticed that a few of the words are different on the screen from when we read a while ago? It's actually the first word. The first few words in Colossians 3.1 say, If then you have been raised with Christ, now... It says, since you have been raised with Christ. That's really what it means in the Greek. It's a first-class conditional sentence in the Greek, and it's not saying, "Uh, maybe you were raised, maybe not. Maybe. He's saying, since you were raised, since you were raised with Christ, it should impact the way that you live. Notice that Paul says, you have been raised. You were raised with Christ in the past when you trusted Jesus as your Savior. He's talking, of course, about a spiritual resurrection or about our identification with Christ, bodily resurrection. Over and over, we read in the New Testament that if we belong to Jesus, we are in Christ. You have been raised with Him. Now, you'll notice on on the 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 stage we have an empty cross. We don't have a crucifix. There's no figure of Jesus on the cross. Look, don't go off on somebody with the crucifix. It's it's not that it's not a, a terrible thing for somebody to have a crucifix. Jesus died on the cross, but it's incomplete. See, Jesus on the cross indicates that our sin was being paid for. An empty cross, same as an empty tomb, is a symbol. That our sins, that the payment for our sins has been accepted by the Father. If Jesus has not raised, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15? You are still in your sin. But he has been raised. Romans 4, 25 says that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Without the resurrection, Jesus' death was meaningless in the big scheme of things. With the resurrection, our sins are forgiven. That's significant. We have been raised with Christ. That's significant. Not only are our sins forgiven, but we have been raised with Christ to have been raised with Jesus means that not only do we belong to him but we will always belong to him that's good news we didn't raise ourselves he did our salvation is not up to us it's up to him we don't have to keep it we can't keep it we can't keep it any more than we could have gotten it in the first place So when the resurrection is done, when Jesus, when God the Father resurrects us with Jesus, there's no going back. You belong to Him. Our past resurrection with Jesus should most definitely affect our present. In fact, a response to the truth of the resurrection with Christ is expected. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. What the Apostle Paul is absolutely not saying is that we should walk around with our head in the clouds. What he absolutely is saying is that those who have been raised, as those who have been raised with Christ, we have resurrection power to enable, actually to cause us to live with kingdom priorities. Everything is different. Everything changes when we come to Jesus. It is, you know, so many times when I was a teenager, I, I tried to turn over a new leaf, as we used to say, and that leaf was a leaf in a, in a book, a page in a book, but I kept seeing the same story. Every time I turned the page, it was the same story on that page. I couldn't do it. When Jesus saved me, when he turned my life, it was no question that it was in a different direction. He was the one who completely put me in a different place. We have a responsibility as resurrected men and women, teenagers and children, to live with different priorities than we did before. Uh, There should be something different about us, the, 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 the verses that immediately follow our text, beginning in, in, in Colossians 3, 5, and then going all the way through the end of the book, talk about the ways that we're supposed to live and the ways that we're not supposed to live. We're told to put off the old man, the old us who used to live only for self, and we're to put on the new man like a garment, the new man that is, that, that is wrapped up totally in Jesus' death, life, and resurrection put on that new man and live differently than you did and, 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 and be humble and spirit-filled in the ways that you sing your praises to God in the ways that we grow together in the knowledge of God and in the ways that we treat one another. In everything we do, Colossians 3.17 says, we're to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, and, 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 and maybe you missed it, but a, a, a big part of what Colossians 3 tells us, the rest of the Colossians is, that it's spirit-filled believers who live like Jesus. It should be enough motivation for us to just to understand that, that Jesus died for us and that God raised him from the dead and that now we're forgiven and our lives are on a different path. That should be enough for us to live differently, but it's not. We find ourselves over and over going back, falling back away from where we were. Our only hope of living the life that the Father designed for us is to do so in resurrection power with the Holy Spirit causing the life of Christ to be real in our lives. That is our present reality because of the resurrection. Now, for some of you to hear about Resurrection living where we're different than we used to be might be discouraging for some of you because you may think that the sins that dominate you now will never allow you to get to to a fulfilled desire that you have of a holy life. You want to be like Jesus, but... Certain things keep pulling you back. I mean, to be sure, your desire for, your, for a holy life magnifies the sin in you. And it could be that as you grow in your walk with Christ, you're, you're feeling worse and worse about yourself, but everybody else notices that you're far different than you used to be in a very positive way. But the closer we are to Christ, the more we see our sins. It may also be true, though, that you are not walking as closely as you were once with Jesus. But there's good news in our text. First in verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. No matter how discouraged you are about your walk with the Lord. If you belong to Jesus, that's not going to change. Then verse 4 has an incredible promise about our future. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Do you ever stop and just think about the implications of of this truth? What it means that we will be with Him and we will appear with Him in glory? It's, It's the same thing that 1 John 3, 2 is saying. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be, He has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Think about that. We are going to be like Jesus exactly like Jesus. It could be that some of you today are quite discouraged not not because you have medical issues or you're underemployed or you have a difficult roommate although if if that's why you're discouraged, this will be as encouraging to you your your future will be as encouraging to you as the Other group I'm about to address. But it could be that you're discouraged because you think you will never conquer the sin that owns you. That absolutely owns you. The resurrection assures you that the sin that so horribly confounds you will be conquered. It will be conquered. We've talked about a spiritual resurrection that is ours because of Jesus' bodily resurrection. There will be a physical and bodily resurrection for us. In the same way that Jesus' body came out of that grave, our bodies are going to come out of the graves or the dust or the particles. We've been scattered to the sea. It doesn't matter. We're going to be resurrected and we're going to have a body that is perfect, It's going to be like, we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be exactly like Jesus. Won't look like Him necessarily, but everything about us is going to be perfect. That's the promise of Jesus' resurrection. We will physically rise with Him, and we will be like Him. And the sins that plague us, that distract us, that overwhelm us, that even enslave us will be no more. That's resurrection. Let's pray. Well, Friday night, I, I ask you to envision yourself standing before a holy and a righteous God with His wrath fully trained on you. And for some of you, that was probably not difficult. You you feel that way. I hope that you also sense that when you were encouraged to see that wrath of a holy and a righteous father being transferred to his son who took our judgment, that's redemption. This morning, let's imagine another scene. Imagine yourself standing in the presence of Jesus. And you're perfect. No more indecision. No more troubles. No more anxiety. No more sin. That's resurrection. That's restoration that we've been talking about all year, that that final peg of the gospel, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. When we're standing before Jesus, when we're standing before the Father whole because the righteousness of God has been passed to us and in our place, so long ago the sacrifice was made and the sinfulness of man was passed to Jesus so that we could stand perfect. That's full restoration. If you don't know Jesus, what better day than this to ask God to forgive you for your sins and to place your trust in Jesus Won't you give your heart to Him on this day? Father, thank You for the truth that Jesus died was buried and that He rose from the grave and we are not Still in our sins, those of us who have placed our faith in the only one who could make satisfactory payment for our sins, Jesus. We belong to you because of him. We thank you for that. We recognize that we have been raised with Jesus and that we sit in the heavenlies, Ephesians 1 tells us. And our minds can't begin to comprehend of how you already view us, Father. Through Jesus' sacrifice. And you're pleased with us. We realize that there is much to do until the day that we see you face to face. And so in our present, we pray that you would give us this resurrection power. And that we would yield ourselves to it and not seek to serve you in ourselves and not allow ourselves to sin so freely and easily. But may the life of Jesus shine through us more and more. And may others be attracted to this wonderful light that we have that is clearly not from within us. And when people say, I want to have what you have. We'll know it's true that we've got nothing apart from Jesus. And they know it when they say that. So in the present, may we live as those who have been raised with Christ. And in our darkest moments, where we are so disappointed with ourselves, may we understand that in the future, we're going to be just like, exactly like Jesus. We're going to be perfect. We long for that day. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We love you in the small, frail ways that we can. Thank you for everything you have done for us.